to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. I'm Carol Malinsky, Director of Content and Curriculum with the Institute, and it's just a joy to be back with you uh, in the studio again today. We have with us a very special guest calling in from Georgia, Mr. Jeff Foley, who is the founder, CEO, and president of Laurel Mountain Systems. Jeff coaches executives who want to grow by making positive, lasting change in behavior, get this, in behavior for themselves and the people they lead. I think that's really key that that these are executives who are willing to change their own behaviors. Um, In addition, it's very important to note that Jeff is a retired brigadier general in the U.S. Army. And so we will have the benefit of his 32 years of experience in the armed forces, along with his business experience. Hi, Jeff, and welcome to the show. Carol, thank you. Delighted to be with you all today. Great, great. Well, let's get into it right away. And my first question for you is kind of a big one, and that is, what is servant leadership to you? Well, I think at its very core, Uh, is a selfless commitment uh, to a person or a cause greater than oneself. Mm. That, I think, is uh, at the core of who I am and what I try to do. Yes. Everything is derived from that, that selfless commitment. Yeah. Do you think, tell me, do you think that that selfless commitment is something people are born with, or do you think it's something that is developed through their um, their upbringing, for example? I, I, it's probably a little bit of both. I think I had a little bit of the DNA in my own life from my dad mm-hmm. uh, and probably my mom. My mom died when I was very young, so um, I really grew up following my dad, and my dad is one who taught me about character and integrity and uh, love and support, and I but I think I had it in my DNA and I didn't even know I had it. Yeah. But then yeah. I developed it through my time in the Boy Scouts, which was very important in my life and other things and coaches and, and leaders that, uh, and mentors that I had helped me understand what that was all about. Mm. So how, I think a little bit of combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. How fortunate. It sounds like a great up- upbringing, actually. Um, so how do you think your military career helped you to be a better servant leader? Yeah, well, that's a, that's another interesting thing. You know, the, the term sergeant, uh, is actually a a word that was derived from a French word servient, which is actually means servant. So interestingly enough, sergeant is a very common term born and raised with the United States army and armies throughout the world who are those who are serve servants um but actually the you know we take an oath in the military i swear to support and defend the constitution of the united states against all enemies foreign and domestic that's an oath of service to a cause yes greater than oneself at its very core in addition really the army 
uh, has seven core values. It is a value-based institution. Many people don't realize that. But the Army has seven values, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Uh, and we take a code of conduct in our world our, our, that says we will live those values. And at the, the blunt instrument that the Army likes to use to make sure we all get it, because we get trained and we get educated on these values, and then the blunt instrument is we get evaluated. Hmm. on how are we or are we not living those values so it gets ingrained we repeat and we uh, we 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 live it we train it we share it we practice it we recognize leaders who have lived it and demonstrated it uh, in the most challenging times in their life so you can't help but learn what that's all about that that is just fascinating and it's something that i don't think i well i know that the average person is not aware of right. that, of, the, of that and the depth of that. Yeah, it's really, a, it's a culture of accountability. The Army, and like most of the military services, we really have a culture of accountability. And so when we have those seven values on our report cards, our performance appraisals, with a yes or a no box, mm-hmm. are you or are you not living those values? That's a pretty significant way to hold people accountable uh, to living them. Pretty powerful thing, but it's not good. The bottom line is it's not good if you get a no check mark in that box. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you don't want to see that. Um, Yeah, so my next question is is also related to that, and that is, what do you, what is the common, explain this common misconception about the Army being a strict hierarchy. Well, in my speaking and and engagement around the country with organizations that are not associated with the military, which is what I do now, uh, they often wonder if I'm going to be effective, I'm going to be able to share a lesson from the Army, because they look at me, they look the rank structure, they say, wow, you're just this command and control, you all have organization charts out to yin-yang, everybody (laughs) just must do whatever whoever outranks them tells them to do. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, when during times of crises, when lives are at stake, when risks are exceptionally high, that will happen. The leaders will take responsibility and make decisions without a whole lot of consultation. Mm-hmm. But for the vast majority of the time, during day-to-day operations and planning, nothing could be further from that. We train and we take, we spend extraordinary amount of resources, time and money, training our soldiers and, and officers of all ranks to to act and educating them to think Mm. the army lives on our ability to effectively delegate to the lowest level authority and responsibility to take action uh this it's a we have to be able to do that for us to to have the agile adaptive capable force that we need to win on on the battlefield today Mm -hmm. so most of the time we are delegating wherever we can uh, to help people make good decisions at the lowest level possible. Yeah. And and that delegation, I, I looked into this strictly from a business sense, and, and we believe at the Institute that delegation is a primary way of showing people that you trust them and that it's a great way to build trust in the organization. And that's what I hear in what you're saying as well as 
as you're training, you know, and as you're doing that delegation process, you're building trust. Well, yes. And I, I use the term effective delegation. Hmm. You know, it's a very interesting phenomenon when we think just delegating and empowering people to have authority to do things. That's very different than effective delegation because you want people to have the capability to be successful and you want them to be committed to being successful. And you won't, it, it can be very dangerous to an organization when they empower people at lower levels to do things and they don't have the wherewithal the aptitude, the training or education to be successful. Right. So not effective equipped. delegation is how I would uh, characterize the delegation side. Yeah. And then when you delegate and you help them be successful, that's where really trust comes to life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an important distinction. Thanks for pointing that out, the effective <clears throat> delegation versus just delegating for the sake of it. Um, super. Some people believe that a servant leader um, must never make a command decision. I have had people at uh, prior uh, conferences say to me, you know, ask me this question about uh, making command decisions and, and consensus. And their organizations were like, they get paralyzed because they have to have everybody agree on everything before they can move. Can you explain the necessity of command decisions where appropriate? Yeah, I've seen the same thing. That's crazy. And I will tell you, those, those people who use the servant leadership uh, model as a justification for always needing to seek consensus are putting their organizations at risk. Mm -hmm. It does paralyze. It does cause indecision. Um, I will tell you, complex problems for the senior leaders in any organization, uh, there will always be multiple options, multiple courses of actions that each will have advantages and disadvantages. And it's not likely that you'll ever reach consensus. Mm -hmm. The important thing is to seek feedback, seek input, get everybody to weigh in who has something meaningful to contribute. And then you have to make a decision. Time is of the essence, of essence. It's a constant balance between how much information you need to make an effective decision. But the key is seek input, seek feedback, let everybody weigh in so that when a decision has to be made, hopefully you'll have their buy-in to what the decision is. Mm -hmm. You have to have absolute confidence that when you make a decision, you're going to make it uh, with the best interest at heart to the enterprise and the people serving. In the Army, we call sort of the decision-making process, once you make a decision, we call it moving out and drawing fire. Because <laughs> uh, you have to make it. You can't wait forever. Yeah. Uh, the enemy's in, inside the perimeter. you got to do something. you got to make a decision, and then you draw fire. And that's the, the, uh, the analogy there is make a decision, adjust if you have to or how you have to, once the decision is made and you get the feedback that it maybe wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. But the best leaders have to be able to make a decision. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with servant or non-servant leadership. The servant part means gather as much input as you can, make a decision when the time has come to make a decision. Does that help? And then, yeah. And then, Jeff, do you, do you then perhaps follow, come alongside people afterwards and explain, you know, here's why I did what I did? 
Well, hopefully in the course of the discussion, people understand why. At least the people in the room uh-huh. uh, who are part of the dialogue, that's great. But I think most people, certainly in today's world, uh, understanding why the decision is made is absolutely essential. So when a decision is made, how you disseminate and how you communicate mm-hmm. the decision, whatever it is, I think ought to have a a justification wherever it's possible, wherever you have time and everything else. In the Army, we don't always have to have time to do that. But wherever you can, wherever it makes sense, uh, you ought to. That just, again, reinforces the trust value and the trust factor that you're trying to build. People want to know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, let's let's change up our subject a little bit here. And I wanted to know, why did you start your leadership coaching business? <laughs> Um, for my entire life, I've been enriched, uh, by the impacts that great leaders have had on me. And the army has at its fundamental core, uh, the development of leaders. That's why we invest millions of dollars on the training and education of leaders at all ranks. People get surprised when I say, even after I made general, I went to 10 executive leadership programs. Wow. You know, they, say, they say, wow, haven't you figured it out by now? <laughs> uh, and the answer is no. I mean, it's different being a lieutenant from being a major, from being a CEO of a major military organization. Yeah. The, effect, the executive skills of, of a senior leader in the Army are quite different. Uh, so th- that's what I learned in the Army, and that was what, I was passionate about. Then somebody gave me a book when I was retiring from the Army after 32 years. Uh, And the book was called Halftime by Bob Buford. Mm. And that whole book is designed to use the sports analogy. You're in the locker room at halftime. You had a game plan for the first half of your life. What is your game plan for the second half? You were successful. How are you going to transition from success to significance? Mm. So this whole servant leadership thing is how I just want to continue to serve. I want to share with others, whoever might benefit from my experience and and my lessons learned. How can I share those with others? It is what I enjoyed most about the Army, and I'm following my passion and giving back where people might be able to, to learn from me if I can do that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because it's um... – Mr. Art Barter, who is our founder and, and CEO, uh, often says, I just want to tell people. I don't want to debate. I just want to tell them about servant leadership and how important it is to um, help people. And uh, so that's his, his primary motivator as well, which is pretty interesting. Um, so can you tell us a bit about your body of work in leadership development? Uh, certainly, but I tell you, I'm a big fan of Art, and I love what he's doing in his company, and I love what he's doing with the Servant Leadership Institute. I'm just very proud of uh, that gentleman who is leading by example and and helping so many people get after this. Yeah. Um, well, I feel the same. I, yeah, I know you do, and I know he's he's got a great team of folks out there like you and, and your colleagues that are making this happen. Um. But I am, a, at, at first and foremost, a leadership coach. Uh, as you mentioned in the opening introduction, I help successful leaders get even better 
by creating positive and lasting change on how they behave for themselves and those that they lead. That's my core competency. That is what I use. And I use Marshall Goldsmith's stakeholder-centered coaching is the methodology for how I help uh, senior leaders in, in today's business world. Mm. I'm also a speaker, so I conduct presentations to companies and professional organizations around the country on how to grow competent, confident leaders and winning teams. Uh, and that's what I'll be doing here at the Servant Leadership Conference here in back in March, mm-hmm. sharing some opportunities and lessons learned and how to how to get after this. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I do right now, and I'm excited to do it, and I'm uh, I'm having great fun. I'm following my passion and having great fun helping people grow. Oh, that's fantastic. And just I'm going to continue to plug a little bit here and just let folks know that. You know, if you want to hear more from Jeff, our Servant Leadership Conference for 2019 will be March 4th and 5th in Carlsbad, California this year. And registration is open now, so register, folks, and uh, you'll be able to not only hear Jeff, but we keep our audiences at a very intimate level So you'll be able to speak with him and ask him questions and interface. And so um, anyway, it's a great opportunity for all of us to uh, learn more about servant leadership and uh, increase our capabilities. So my next question for you is what are the most common leadership behaviors you're asked to help change in business leaders? Yeah, I get that question a lot. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, and people are somewhat surprised by the answer. Uh, but I will tell you, number one is the ability to listen with the intent to understand. You know, this mm. as leaders grow, it's like the old dog trying to teach them new tricks sort of analogy. As we grow in our experience and levels of understanding uh, of our business world, we start closing down our ears. Uh, It's amazing. It's amazing when we do the 360 assessments on senior leaders, uh, how often uh, this comes up. They just want, they want people to learn how to listen. Leaders have, we're we're so engaged. And I got to tell you, I suffered from it too. We are so interested in telling people how smart we are. (laughs) That we don't even we're not even listening because we're thinking about the next wonderful piece of wisdom that's got to come out of our mouths when other people are talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it, and it's a sad state of affairs, but it is. That's number one, ability to listen. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I'll tell you, is, is a close second, is the ability to effectively delegate and hold others accountable. Hmm. Again, because so many, we're so good at it, we know how to do it all. It is so hard for us to effectively communicate a delegation of a task and then really hold others accountable for meeting uh, the standard. And that it seems to be a, a difficult thing uh, the older we get. Hmm. But it's a critical task. This is that effective delegation we talked about uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. You got to give it to people. You got to diagnose, are they capable of doing it and are they committed to doing it? And when it doesn't happen, when they don't do it on time to standard, what do you do? 
Mm-hmm. How do you hold people accountable? Mm-hmm. That's good. We're all, we all fear being the bad guy. We don't want to upset the apple cart. But boy, is there a, a pending disaster in the organization uh, when one person gets away with it. Other people, if the leadership's not going to hold me accountable, why should I hold my people accountable? Yeah. It can be a very, very dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah and I, uh, I know we really struggled with this. When Art implemented um, servant leadership at his company, Daytron World, um, this accountability issue was a really a big one. And it was, I would say, and I know this is kind of a big word, but almost revolutionary in that, you know, his management team, we were expected to um, get results. And people think, a lot of people think in servant leadership that it's just, you know, nice, nice. That's okay. You didn't get it done? Okay, that's fine. Well, no. <laughs> If you're not accountable, there's not going to be any organization to serve in. It's going to disappear. So it became really, really important, and we had to report to one another, basically, whether we made our goals or not. And uh, that took place every single month and was very painful at first. But, boy, did Mm -hmm. did we learn a lot through that process. And we became highly successful. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah, it was quite a quite a lesson to learn. So, um you were part of a Ken Blanchard book called Servant Leadership in Action. Mm-hmm. And the chapter you contributed, just for our audience sake, is called Five Army Tested Lessons of Servant Leadership. And one of those lessons you write about, we've kind of already talked about, but you called it Listening by squinting with your ears. Can you explain <laughs> squinting with your ears and why it's so important? Carol, can you squint with your ears? <laughs> I'm trying, and everything is yeah. just kind of squinting. Yeah, it's uh, I I love the analogy. I can't take credit for it. My the co-author of the book Rules and Tools for Leadership that I I participated in writing uh, with was a gentleman by the name of Perry Smith. He's a retired general from the Air Force, another West Point grad, a wonderful mentor in my life. He mm-hmm. coined this phrase, uh, listen by squinting with your ears. So obviously, and I wear reading glasses now, and so if I really want to read something, I got to squint with my eyes to read it. Yes. And it makes you pay attention. You know, It's a closer look. You lean forward. You get a little closer to the the words or the paper, whatever you're trying to read. I love the analogy because we all know what squinting with your eyes means. Mm -hmm. When you squint with your ears, it's just the same thing. Pay attention. Lean forward in your chair. Pay attention to what's being said. All those listening techniques, repeating back what you think you heard, your body language, the tone of voice that you use, and, you know, you're squinting with what you are hearing and also what you are seeing the tone of voice, not just the words you're looking at the body language. It's all sending a message. Yeah. You got to capture it all to really gain the essence of what is being said. That's the deal. And that's why it's so important. I I love sharing that with everybody. Oh yeah. I love it because it's um, right away. I thought of focus when I try to look at my alarm clock very early in the morning and I have to close one eye 
you know, to be and squint the other one to be able yeah. to read it. I have complete focus on that clock. Yeah. And yeah. so when we squint with our ears with people, we're focused on them, which is so important in listening. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great word. Yeah. I also wanted to let our audience know that I heard that you're writing a new book called Brave Leadership growing competence and confidence to get great results. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I tell you, I go back to my high school friends, and, uh, you know, they, they never really knew that I read any books, and they're just <laughs> flabbergasted that Jeff Foley is writing books now. Oh, that's great. But I, I hope my English teachers uh, would be proud of me today. But again, it doing now is I am... I'm taking really the lessons that I've learned in the United States Army and putting them into a foundation called BRAVE, B-R-A-V-E. Mm-hmm. Each letter represents part of this analogy, part of this foundation. B is be a leader of character. Uh, R is reveal and reinforce leader competencies. A is attack with a leader development program. V is value coaching excellence, and E is embrace trusted relationships. Mm. It's this brave thing. I have military stories that justify uh, the whole brave analogy, and I have corporate business stories that are very impactful on each one of these elements. It helps reinforce what I have learned in my 32 years in the Army. Mm. So... It's a book on how to do it, how to build competence and confidence in your ability to lead. So I, it's just a powerful thing. And I've been working on it for a couple of years now. Uh, I'm still refining it. I've gotten some great feedback. I've conducted a number of seminars. But I think as you think about the word brave, there's servant leadership is all over this. Yeah. yeah. It's how can, what is it that we need to learn and how can you help people learn? and empower them and being effective and delegating and helping other people be successful. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So the book itself, I think will have some very valuable lessons in it. Uh, and I'm excited about it and uh, I'm not sure it's going to be ready by the servant leadership conference. If I can get it done, it might be, but probably at this rate, it will not be uh, <laughs> published by then. Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited about it. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Um, and one of the things we did in order to just prep for for the conference and activities that surround the conference is we asked all our speakers to submit a challenge that they've faced in their lives. And I want to read for our audience what your challenge was. You <laughs> said, I wrote a book. Based on my English grades in school, I was not sure I could. I was also not sure I had a mes- message worth sharing Through inspired coaching, digging deep into my life experiences and perseverance, I was able to conquer. So, Jeff, as we close today, can you share a bit more about this for the audience? For example, how did digging into your life experience help you conquer this challenge? Well, that was my challenge. Um, I had to figure out where the eureka moments were for me mm-hmm. that are you know that that have a lesson worth sharing mm-hmm. i lived some great things and i got promoted in the army 
because I had tons of marvelous people working for me, with me, and I had some great coaches and mentors throughout my military career. They get credit for my success. Uh, and I have been thrilled to death with my military service and all the friends and comrades that I have had a chance to, to spend time with. But I learned some things. And when I hired a coach, uh, he started saying, Jeff, tell me about your experience as a lieutenant. Tell me about your experience. Tell me what happened when you were a captain. And he started making me think about all this stuff. Tell me about times when you fail that mm. you want to share with people that, you know, we're, we don't always make the right decisions. It's like, damn, or darn, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, tell me about this and that and the other. And I, it just started, I had to dig into this thing. And I've been digging. And I have been mining for gold or at least mining for silver or mining for rocks or whatever might come up. What are those eureka moments? What are those stories, experience that I have shared that when I share with others, there is a lesson to be learned. It's not just about what happened to me. But what, what did I learn and mm. what could be of value to others based on that? That's what the book Brave is about. I have some of that in Rules and Tools for Leaders. And I certainly have those, some of those lessons in the Servant Leadership in Action stuff. Yeah. But that's the digging. That's the mining. What do I have to share? That's great. Super. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for being on the phone with us today. Our timing could not be any better with Veterans Day approaching on Sunday. So let me be the first to say thank you for your service and thank you for carrying servant leadership with you and spreading the message to other leaders. And we will see you in March at the conference. Very good, Carol. I am honored to have the opportunity to spend some time with you and certainly honored to be part of the group in, in March. And I look forward to all. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Registration for our upcoming 2019 Servant Leader Conference is open. The theme this year is, are you able? It's a simple question that holds a lot of weight. Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to get all the details about how to register. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.